was much beyond her daily reach, and many a long November and October evening must be struggled through at Hartfield, before Christmas brought the next visit from Isabella and her husband, and their little children to fill the house and give her pleasant society again. Highbury, the large and populous village, almost amounting to a town to which Hartfield, in spite of its separate lawn, the shrubberies, and name, did really belong, afforded her no equals. The woodhouses were first in consequence there, all looked up to them. She had many acquaintance in the place, for her father was universally civil, but not one among them who could be accepted in lieu of Miss Taylor for even half a day. It was a melancholy change, and Emma could not but sigh over it, and wish for impossible things till her father awoke and made it necessary to be cheerful. His spirits required support. He was a nervous man, easily depressed, fond of everybody that he was used to, and hating to part with them, hating change of every kind. Matrimony as the origin of change was always disagreeable, and he was by no means yet reconciled to his own daughter's marrying, nor could ever speak of her but with compassion, though it had been entirely a match of affection, when he was now obliged to part with Miss Taylor too, and from his habits of gentle selfishness, and of being never able to suppose that other people could feel differently from himself, he was very much disposed to think Miss Taylor had done as sad a thing for herself as for them. And then up she leapt, and away she stepped. Enough, false lover, then go thy way. Thou art she. Oh, let me be. The way from the valley is long and steep. Nay, faster, faster. Good, my master, my feet are weary. I needs must sleep. Declan sinks to the ground, overcome by slumber, while the devil continues the dance. Artful weaver, would deceive her? Nay, but her beauty shall make thee moan. Till all forsaken, thy heart shall waken, and then the devil shall claim his own. Seda appears entering by the pathway. The sun has now got up, brightening the landscape. Sweet lady. The fool is obstinate. Alack. He doth whine and moan, and declare that to confess his secret would put him into danger of losing the very gift that hath procured him my favour, my favour, my hate. Nay, hide you that. Take him to the castle. Give him further appetite for your kisses. Yet starve him by persistent denial. And ere a week has sped, well... I have oft heard what women can do in my country. To the castle? Aye. Sir Count, forget ye the Lord Philip? Ah, you know not. From the castle comes the sound of a prolonged blast of trumpets. Why do the trumpets sound? Guntran, decked for war, some knights who are also in armor, and a standard bearer with a standard, enter from the road leading to the castle and cross to the town gate where they knock violently. Jacqueline wakes, rises, and creeps away up to the castle. Guntran, what is it? 
What is, madam? Why, naught but that Philip of Merlemont hath of a sudden lost his taste for lollipops and is a man once more. Sir. Gontranaki. Oh, gatekeeper, rub the sleep from thine eyes. To the standard bearer. Unfurl thy standard, knave. To Satan. Yea, by St. Luke, we are for charging all true citizens to throw down their tools of trade and follow their new wakened lord. What, keeper? The clank of chains is heard, and the sound of the lifting of the portcullis. Follow? Whither? To Maastricht, to do battle for the prince-bishop. To the knights. Cry, Philip! How she had devoted all her powers to amuse and attach her in health, and how nursed her through the various illnesses of childhood. A large debt of gratitude was owing here, but the intercourse of the last seven years, the equal footing and perfect unreserve which had soon followed Isabella's marriage, on their being left to each other, was yet a dearer, tenderer recollection. She had been a friend and companion such as few possessed, intelligent, well-informed, useful, gentle, knowing all the ways of the family, interested in all its concerns, and, peculiarly, interested in herself, in every pleasure, every scheme of hers, one to whom she could speak every thought as it arose, and who had such an affection for her as could never find fault. How was she to bear the change? It was true that her friend was only half a mile from them, but Emma was aware that great must be the difference between a Mrs. Weston only half a mile from them and a Miss Taylor in the house, and with all her advantages, natural and domestic, she was now in great danger of suffering from intellectual solitude. She dearly loved her father, but he was no companion for her. He could not meet her conversation, rational or playful. The evil of the actual disparity in their ages, and Mr. Woodhouse had not married early, was much increased by his constitution and habits, for having been a valetudinarian all his life, without activity of mind or body, he was a much older man in many ways than in years, and though everywhere beloved for the friendliness of his heart and his amiable temper, his talents could not have recommended him at any time. Her sister, though comparatively but little removed by matrimony, being settled in London, only sixteen miles off, 